Pat, Lewis, thank you. Everybody having a good week? Man, the singing sounds good this morning. I want to welcome all our visitors. I know we have some visitors with us here today, and we welcome you here at Lincoln Park, your honored guest. Uh, if there's something that we do during worship service or questions you have in regards to the lesson, please get with myself, one of the elders afterwards. We'd love to be able to address any questions that you have, uh, and we just want to welcome you to the congregation. You know, as we've uh, been going over these last few weeks, uh, we've been uh, going over a series of sermons on the Son of God, and we're going to be in part three here today. And as we get into part three, so far we have looked at the pre-existent state of, uh, of Jesus, known as the Word, who was God. We examined the passages of Scripture in John chapter 1 that showed where Jesus had gone from the Word and then he took on flesh and dwelt among us. We also know that he was given the name Jesus, which means Savior, by Mary, as was instructed by the angel. And so as we look at today's lesson, we're going to get into the glorified state. If you remember back a few weeks ago, we said we're going to look at the pre-fleshly state, fleshly state, glorified state. Today's lesson is really going to be broken up into two and so it'll be a shorter lesson uh, than you're probably used to, unless I get on a soapbox and then you're just stuck. But as we go through this, it's probably going to be divided up into two. And as we look at this, remember so far, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Amen? He was born of the Virgin Mary. He grew up as a human being. He lived a, sinful li a sinless life. And then Jesus offered himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. And as a result of the things that I had just mentioned, we also know that God raised Jesus up from the grave. He gave him, uh, he exalted him above all others. He gave him a name that will be, uh, that is above all others. We know that every knee will bow at his coming. Every voice will declare Jesus as Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, to the glory of God. And so, brethren, when we look at today's lesson about the glorified state, the purpose of today's lesson is to describe to us uh, what Jesus is doing for us now. It's easy to read scripture and know what he's done for us, meaning the crucifixion, meaning his three-year earthly ministry, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. But what is Jesus actually doing for us now? How often do you consider what he's doing in his, his glorified state that's every bit as important as his fleshly or even pre-existent state? And so that's what we're going to get started with here this morning. We're going to go back to the end, uh, and that's the ascension. And so we're going to start in, uh, with our first passages of scripture this morning. As we look at this, the first one will be in Acts chapter 1. But we know that after his resurrection from the dead, that Jesus had appeared to his disciples on several occasions. Amen? And he did that over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about the kingdom of God, which we will also talk about further here today, so we understand what it means when it says the kingdom of God. It's not talking about heaven, it's talking about something else. And we also know that after he had spent the 40 days, he gave instructions to his disciples, and then he ascended, which we learn about in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 9 through 11, notice what the scriptures teach. After he had said the things which he had said in the first eight verses, he was lifted up while they were looking on, they meaning his disciples. 
And as a cloud received him out of their sight, and as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going up, behold, two men stood with white clothing beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand staring into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you had watched him go. We know that when we see that, Jesus had come with power. He, Jesus had come uh, not only with the power of God through the resurrection, but even through his time for 40 days when he appeared to over 500 individuals. And so it wasn't just one or two eyewitnesses. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses that could testify of the, of the risen Savior, that could testify that Jesus fulfilled the very things in which he said he would do. And we know that the Apostle Peter also stated that there were prophets who foretold of the ascension of Jesus Christ. And it makes me think of Daniel chapter 7 while we think of one of these prophets. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14, we see that the scriptures tell us that Daniel says, I kept looking into the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Don't let them be lost on you. Dominion, glory, and a kingdom to all the prophets, the nations, and, every, uh, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion and his everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. You look at what Daniel the prophet had said. You look at what Peter had remembered of what the scriptures had taught as he was being led by the Holy Spirit. And brethren, I'm here to tell you, it's Jesus was given a kingdom. But it wasn't just any kingdom. The kingdom that, uh, was, was set up and Jesus had become the king of that kingdom. And you're going to find out as we go through scripture here this morning that the kingdom isn't a materialistic kingdom. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And that kingdom has another name and it's called the church. That kingdom has another name, and it's called the Bride of Christ. And if you're a, uh, if you're a born-again Christian, if you've been washed with the blood of Christ, your sins have been forgiven, if you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2 and 47 said that God had plucked you out of the, from the earth and into the kingdom, so to speak. A spiritual kingdom. And so, brethren, we look at what the scriptures teach us. And it makes me think of uh, Luke chapter 23 and verse 3. When Jesus was talking to Pilate, and at the end of his life, it said, So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And so it makes me think of Colossians chapter 1. Because in Colossians chapter 1, we see the Apostle Paul, who was writing to the churches in Colossus, and he told them in verse 13 and 14, For he, meaning God, had rescued us from the, the, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, which happens in Acts 2 and 47, for all those who are being saved, as I described. So in him, we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Rather, and we look at what the scriptures teach about the glorified state of Christ. We look at what the scriptures teach about what Jesus is doing for us now. And it all starts, in, it all starts with the ascension. That is the beginning of his glorified state. But then it's going to go on to something different where Jesus is going to be the high priest. Because where there is the end of a covenant, uh, there, uh, and where there is a new law, there has to be by necessity the death of the previous priesthood. 
And so Jesus, even though, even, even told his disciples that during his public ministry, that many of them standing there that day would not experience death until they seen the kingdom of God come with power. Well, what was that talking about? Again, it's not a physical kingdom. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a, a, a material kingdom that you could touch. But we know that the kingdom was talking about the church. And that's why some of them would not experience death until that happened. Well, when did that happen? Acts chapter 2. But when did he, uh, uh, the power come? Well, Jesus had sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, like you learn about in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. He sends the Holy Spirit, and it says that with power, the power came upon the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus gave them instructions before he ascended back into heaven to remain on in Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power comes in Acts chapter 2, and we know that Peter and the other disciples are speaking in other tongues. They think they're drunk, and he says, how can we be drunk? It's the third hour of the day. And so he goes to give a brutally, a brutally uh, honest history lesson of where the Jewish people stand. And as he's giving what many call the first gospel sermon, there are, there are hearts that are pricked, and there are 3,000 who ask what we must do. That is the beginning, the infancy of the Lord's church, which is the kingdom of God. It's important that you know what the kingdom of God is. Brethren, we also know that his kingdom was not an earthly one. Because listen to what Jesus said with his own words. In John chapter 18, in verse 36 and 37. Listen to what Jesus said at the end of his life as he's talking with Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But, as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify of the truth. For everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That was the passage that Randy read for our scripture reading this morning, but it verifies the idea that Jesus' kingdom isn't a physical kingdom. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a material kingdom. It's a spiritual one. And we remember, brethren, that the Jewish people, what were they expecting? They were expecting a physical kingdom. Even Jesus' disciples in Acts chapter 1 in those first seven verses said, Is this now? Are you finally now going to establish the kingdom of Israel? And then Jesus tells them, it's not for you to know time and epochs. And so we know that it wasn't a, a, a physical kingdom because Jesus had said that to them. But they still didn't fully understand it. You remember when Jesus said that I'm going to send the helper? He says, I really have more things to teach you. I have more things to say to you, but you're not ready. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. And when he guides you into all truth, then I'm going to send you out as my advocate, as my representatives, as my witnesses, to bring about faith in the world. So brethren, remember that as we look at this, his kingdom is not eating and drinking. His kingdom is righteousness, holiness, joy, and peace. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of heaven because it's of heaven. It's not of this earth. It's of heaven. And that's why it's called the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is reigning on his throne in heaven and not on earth. 
Do you understand the aspect of a spiritual kingdom as we, start, as we begin to look at his glorified states? Jesus came so that God could reign in the hearts and minds of men, but Jesus did not come to establish a political, physical kingdom here on earth. And the kingdom is the church. And we know in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 through 19, notice what Jesus had to say here. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What are those verses telling us? Brethren, you see very clearly, if you were to look at verses 17, 16, 15, leading up to that, that Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And so we know that he said, based on, uh, based on that, based on that confession, I am going to build my church. My church is the kingdom. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, after you're saved through the waters of baptism, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God picks you up and adds you to the church, which is the kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. Amen. Brethren, when Christ returns for his own, when Christ returns for his bride, then he will give us, he will take his reign, and he will relinquish his reign and give it back to the Father, the ancients of days who had given him dominion and uh, all authority in the first place. Another reason for Jesus' ascension, brethren, is the idea of the high priesthood. When we think about Jesus, Jesus didn't assume the position, but was appointed that position by God the Father himself. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, and verse 5 and 6, notice what the scriptures teach us. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, you are my son, and today I have begotten you, just as he also said in another passage, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You look at what Hebrews 5 is telling us. He could not be a priest according to the order of Aaron, according to the old law, because he was not of the right tribe. He was not born of the, of, of the tribe of Levi. He was born of the tribe of Judah. And so he, he wouldn't have qualified to be a priest under the old law. But when the old law was nailed to the cross, then God had appointed him to be priest over the new covenants. And he was going to be our high priest that makes intercession for us, not just uh, once a year as the old uh, high priest would do, but each and every day he mediates on our behalf. He's our intercessor between God and man. And brethren, we understand that the Father, he could appoint Jesus because he is God. But notice also uh, the idea of a new covenant in Hebrews chapter 7. Because when you look at Hebrews chapter 7 and you get to verse 19 through 21, it says, For the law made nothing perfect, talking about the law of Moses. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And because it was not without an oath, for they indeed became priests without an oath, talking about the Levi, the Levites. But he, meaning Jesus, with an oath. Because it is said that through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Talking about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, our Redeemer. 
Brethren, you look at these passages of Scripture this morning, we understand that as we look at Jesus the high priest, that he became our high priest, and he continues to serve not only his children, his bride, but his creation as a whole. We understand that he is a merciful and faithful high priest, as we study out what the scriptures say about him. It tells us that he makes intercession for us, that he aids those who suffer and are tempted, for he endured the same thing while he was on earth. He sympathizes with our weaknesses and can understand because he was a person who had gone through the same things when he took on flesh, became a man, and lived for 33 years on this planet, being tempted in all the same ways that we are tempted and having to deal with the same problems in which we deal. And so he makes intercession before us or for us before our Holy Father. So brothers and sisters, as a priest, Jesus came and he knows and he understands. He feels for us. He desires for us always. He desire, his desire is always to help us, to care for us, to be there for us. He is constantly pleading on our behalf before the Father. We know that he's an intercessor. We know that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. We know that the scriptures tell us that when we know not the words to speak, the Holy Spirit groans out on our behalf. And Jesus, being the mediator, mediates between the Father and himself. And he could do that because he is both God and man. And so, brothers and sisters, Jesus' kingship, his priesthood, are in sharp contrast to one another. When you look at the, the kingship and the priesthood, his priesthood shows and highlights his compassion for his creation. And yet his kingship highlights his authority over his creation that had been given to him by the Father. For all authority had been given to him, we learn in Matthew chapter 28, in heaven and on earth. But in both realms, he is acting for our good. He is acting for, on our behalf, so that we might be saved eternally. So when you think about the question, what is Jesus doing in his glorified state for us today? He's mediating. He's, inter he's, he's interceding on our behalf. He's He's petitioning the Father for our good and for our care. And so he's acting for our good and on our behalf so that we may be saved eternally. You remember what it tells us in 1 John in chapter 1 when it talks about walking in the light as he is in the light, right? If we continue to walk in the light as he, meaning Christ, is in the light, he, his blood continuously cleanses over us so that our sins are washed away even after baptism. You, your sins are washed away in the baptistry, but you're going to sin again. We hope you don't sin often. We hope you don't choose sin. We hope you don't practice sin. But the fact of the matter is, you're still a sinner in need of a Savior, in constant need of repentance, in constant need of the saving blood of Jesus Christ. And so we make sure that when you have godly sorrow, when you stub your toe of sin, so to speak, that you ask God for forgiveness. He intercedes on your behalf. And the blood of his sacrifice continues to cleanse over us. So brethren, it's important to understand what Jesus does for us today. There are those who would teach that because of the blood of Christ cleansing over us, that we cannot lose our salvation. And because once saved, you're always saved. And that is simply untrue. Because we know that even the Apostle Paul, in his writings to Timothy, calls people out by name who had, went, who had became Christians and then had fallen away. And he turned them over to the, back into the world, turned them over to Satan for the salvation of their souls, if only they would repent. 
So we know that a person can lose their salvation, but Jesus, being our high priest, continues to make intercession for us each and every day as he uh, intercedes on, on our behalf before the throne of God. Remember, brethren, that all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth, and we need to be wise, and we need to make sure that we're submitting to his authority in all things that the scriptures teach. Amen? That is why we keep saying that biblical faith is the idea of belief. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God, Romans 10 and 17, right? And then we have to actually then not just believe, but we have to trust. We have to trust in the promises of God. What made Abraham faithful? He trusted God. What made Noah uh, faithful? He trusted God, right? Uh, what made so many of the other ones that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 faithful? They trusted in what God had had to say to them. And brethren, and then after that, we are obedient. And so when we obey the gospel, it is not something that we do by works. We're being obedient to the conditions that God had put in place for our salvation. And so we obey the gospel. We're born in, again in the waters of baptism. We come into the kingdom of Christ, and he becomes our king, our Lord, our ruler, our redeemer, our savior. Brethren, Jesus, his work was not done at the cross. Jesus' work was not done at the ascension. He continues to mediate on our behalf. He continues to petition the throne of God, the Father, on our behalf, and will continue to do so until he puts all of the enemies in subjection under his feet. And at that time, once Jesus has put all his enemies in subjection under his feet, when that time comes that Jesus returns and he divides the goat from the sheep and he welcomes the sheep into his heavenly realm and the goats are cast down into eternal hellfire, we know that at that time when we enter heaven that then Jesus will then turn over his authority back into the Father which gave it in the first place. But in the meantime, Jesus, your Lord, your King, your ruler is, re is fighting on your behalf. And as Christians, brethren, we give acknowledgement to his great position, his great sacrifice, and by doing so, by acknowledging it, we offer faithful Christian living and we offer faithful Christian service all the days of our life. There are too many people who talk about retirement. And when they talk about retirement, they talk about all the wonderful things they're going to do, but very rarely is it, man, I can't wait to serve more in the ministries at church. You never hear about, man, I can't wait to sit down. I have so much more time for personal evangelism. No, you hear about vacations and hobbies and golf and fishing and, and, and whatever, whatever your, uh, your interests are. You, you talk about how you have so much time and energy you're going to be able to spend on those. Very rarely do you hear something spiritual when those talk about what they're going to do upon their retirement. Brethren, there is no retirement from the Lord. God has requirements of each and every one of us, whether you're, whether you're a babe or whether you're, uh, you're, you're in the last days of your life. You still have work to do. There's still things that God requires of you, and there's still opportunities for you to bring glory to God through your faithful Christian living and service to the King. Brothers and sisters, we're going to close this lesson down, but next week we're going to continue this thought process. And as we continue the thought process, we're going to look at Jesus, the judge. 
and Jesus the judge in his glorified state. Because as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, that we will all stand before God in judgment. So not only is Jesus petitioning on our behalf and intercessing on our behalf, we will also stand in his glorified state before him in judgment, just as it says in John chapter 12. Brethren, if you're hearing this message today and you have questions afterwards, please let me know what questions you have. Talk to myself. Talk to your elders. We would love to help you. If there are individuals that are in the uh, auditorium this morning and you, you're in need of Bible study, you want to have a deeper, stronger faith, please let me know. Myself, the elders, many, uh, uh, we have many evangelistic brothers and sisters in the congregation who could sit down with you. The key is that we continue to grow that we don't become stagnant in our faith. What happens when water becomes stagnant? Things begin to die. And so, brethren, we need to make sure that our faith is live, it is alive, and it is well. And it, be, and it stays alive and well through our dedication to the scriptures, our dedication to the king, our dedication to the church, the kingdom of God, and our dedication to the furtherance of the kingdom. But we need to make sure that we first and foremost study to show ourselves approved and we find some Christian men and women to help mentor us, to help us to get uh, to, get to where we want to be. So I, can build, so I can feel confident, so I can feel comfortable teaching the word of God. So if that is you this morning, let us know how we can help you. If you're here today and you're struggling in your faith, and, or you have uh, needs and prayers that you would like to request of the congregation, please let us know how we can pray for you. But if you're here today and you're not a child of God, then what are you waiting for? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. I'm not guaranteed to make it home after service. Hope I do. But the fact of the matter is I'm not guaranteed. And so every day on the news, somebody doesn't make it home. And so, brethren, don't put off tomorrow what you could do today. You could put on Christ in baptism today. Have your sins washed away. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who doesn't want the Holy Spirit of God residing in you, which is the temple of God? And then if you do that, God will add you to the kingdom. Your sins will be washed away. Come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.